Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, I think so. It's it's also disappointing as a as not a medical professional. I'll disclose that uh, myself. Um, uh, you know, when you see when you see doctors on TV, they always have so much energy to deal with tropical diseases <laughs> yeah. or uh, hostage situations or like sure. uh, romantic liaisons in the break room. And then you meet real doctors, and you're all wrecked. You know, everyone's very tired. <laughs> you know, so uh, it is yeah. disappointing. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, it is disappointing. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. If I can leave you with one message, disappointing and tired. <laughs> it's it's a shame that you finished the jacket for your book because that would have been a great quote. But uh, yeah, I'll leave that with you. <laughs> Maybe when the paperback comes out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Legitimate Likes, the podcast where we take a look at some of humanity's most popular fascinations and we try to work out, are they really worthy of the hype? They may be likes, but are they legitimate likes? My name is Hugh and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Will. Hi Will. Hello Hugh, how are you? I'm very well today, how are you? Uh, I've got, I'm feeling a bit funny Hugh. Oh, I've got, that'd, I've got that'd swe- be a change. Yeah, I've got sweaty, excuse me, I've got sweaty palms, I've got an elevated heart rate and I feel a bit giddy. Okay, I think I should probably diagnose you. I think you should. What do you think unless I've got? You've been, unless you've any better options. No, no, I definitely don't. Uh, I can be the WebMD of us. I'd say you're... It sounds like a severe case of uh, podcast guest excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I like how sort of cringy you found saying that. Yeah, I I didn't describe that's what I was going to do, but I went on a run earlier yeah. and got really excited about doing the intro like that. And I was yeah, thinking, yeah. as I said it, I was just thinking, they're going to think we wrote this beforehand, and I'm not happy yeah, about yeah. that, because we didn't. Yeah, so, look, I'm very excited about our guest, uh, um, who is uh, an NHS campaigner and founder of the non-profit campaign group Every Doctor, and has just released her first book, Critical. It's Dr. Julia Grace Patterson. Thank you for having me. Hi, Julia. How are you? Thanks for coming. Um, I feel like that's, that was quite the lead-in. Oh, yeah? Was it? I, I, I was just going to say, are you feeling all right, Will? You know, do you feel okay to carry on? Yeah, I think I do. I, th- I think the uh, the excitement was actually 
more nerves about having decided to do that stupid bit at the start mm. and forcing <laughs> Hugh into that position. So I think, what would you prescribe for podcast excitement? Uh, a little sit down and a cup of tea, maybe. So have you got a cup of tea? Great. I, d- I have a, a glass of water, which is, That'll I'd say... Work. yeah. Yeah. Water is yeah. generally the healthiest thing to drink, right? Yeah, the thinking man's tea. Water. Mm. Yeah. Are you a doctor of excitement? What, what, what area does your doctory include? Oh, uh, well, I'm not working clinically anymore because I'm too okay. busy, you know, fighting for the NHS, which politicians mm. are trying really hard to destroy. But I did used to work but, as a psychiatry doctor. So okay. quite well versed with people becoming nervous, although never for, you know, for reasons such as yours, Will. It's the first podcast related anxiety attack I've heard of, actually. <laughs> I think it's becoming more and more common. Uh, it's, it's very oh. underdiagnosed, <laughs> but it's, it's becoming more and more common. Because you trained as a qualified as a doctor in 2010, but yes. now full time activism and saving the world. Full time. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. That that's what I wrote on my CV actually. No, yeah. um, I <laughs> I was working and uh, as a doctor part time for a little while after starting every doctor, and then the pandemic hit and um, my husband's an intensive care consultant and we didn't have any childcare and so it was sort of who's who's you know who's more <laughs> who's more important right now the the psychiatrist who hasn't completed her specialist training yet or the intensive care consultant who's being called by the London hospital to go and help out and it was determined that his job was probably more pressing than mine so um which actually um gave me the opportunity to focus on every doctor which was kind of necessary at the time and so it kind of uh, I mean it didn't all work out it was all absolutely terrible obviously but but <laughs> since then I haven't worked clinically because it's been very busy I would say with with the NHS campaigning unfortunately yeah I, I mean I did actually yeah I was hoping to go back to working clinically but um ended up um giving up my registration voluntarily about 18 months ago or so I'm still on the register but um but I've given up my license to practice because people kept getting confused in interviews about if I was still a psychiatrist and I felt like maybe that was confusing and so I thought I'm just going to draw a line under it and just focus Mm. at the moment just on on this um yeah and you and I thought this would be the easiest way of getting some therapy for us but okay we'll We'll just go about it through different means. Yeah, I, I think it's probably better. I suppose your listeners. You're fr- you're free every week, yeah, to do it live. Um... <laughs> An episode once a week. The subject being the difficulties I've had. I'm yeah. not sure your audience would enjoy that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they would. I don't know. They're not they're not very picky. They they yeah. quite like. I mean, we've had episodes talking about uh, literally anything. Yeah. The the concept of friendship, bananas. Why don't you go and listen uh, through our, to our back catalogue, listener? I hate myself. Julia, are you saying you haven't listened to all 106 episodes of Legitimate um, Likes? I've not listened to the Bananas one. Who suggests these episodes? Mainly Michael. Right. Speaking of Bananas, uh, please welcome our producer, Michael. Yeah, Michael, do you want to talk about how the episodes get chosen? Yeah, I sort of uh, wake up in the morning <laughs> and there's a word in my head and I text you guys and say we're recording tonight. So that's 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 generally how it, how it yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. But but this was a particular... Often we'll get the guest to bring the subject, but this one felt a bit of a no-brainer. Um, yeah. 
because today yeah, we're talking that's about a serious problem. I know I'm not the psychiatrist, but no brainer. Yeah, not good at all. I was wondering yeah. if a banana would come on the podcast, but no, it's um, it's a subject, is it? Yeah, we actually couldn't Might get as banana. Well, yeah, to be yeah. banana was too big, so we we had to interview a kiwi. Too fruit. big. Oh, I okay. oh, sorry. Yeah, not big in big in terms of profile. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, not about fitting it in shot. Yeah. And did you, Julia? Did you work in in hospitals when you were working clinically? Yeah, when you um, when you qualify as a doctor, you spend a couple of years moving around different specialties. So I did that for a few years, and then I um, started specialising in psychiatry. And a lot of that also was in hospitals and in inpatient mm. psychiatry units and also in um, liaison psychiatry, which is when you're working in a general hospital, but you're, you're looking after patients' mental health yeah. needs um, in A&E and on the wards and stuff. So, so yeah, I, I was in hospitals. Um, and then my final job was, um, was community psychiatry, which was in a clinic. So I've kind of done a bit of different things. Mm. Well, it's a good thing we've got you here today because today's subject is not bananas. We're talking about the NHS, which if you clicked on the episode, you'll already know, which is probably uh, the the most important thing we've discussed on the podcast. I'm not trying to say the NHS is more important. Well, no, I am. I think the NHS is more important than bananas. You might get, a, I don't know. I mean, will you get trolled for saying that, do you think? Are there any banana <laughs> fans? Yeah, this is globally might be, well, might be know, how I get paid. our global audience I'm not sure <laughs> that, that guy who's still trekking through South Korea you know he's probably consuming more bananas than he is NHS well, yeah but I, I think it, hmm, I didn't realise I'd have to try and argue this point but I think the NHS is more important than bananas well we'll, we'll let's see we'll, we'll see, find yeah. out and it's good we've got Julia on because Julia has just written a book which if you're listening to this bananas it's all about bananas. It's called Critical, Why Bananas Are Being Betrayed and How We Can Fight for <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> uh, this is the book. Uh, so it's on shelves now as you're listening to this. And uh, it feels like the most important book I've ever held in my hands. But I did think it was about bananas when I wrote that line. So who knows? It's quite a light book as well. It's, you know, it's yeah. not a long book. I've been telling people that because I think it's probably a plus point. Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes non-fiction books are quite long, and I wanted to get the things across in a succinct manner because it's quite a heavy topic, you know. Mm. Mm. It's blue rather than yellow, and if it was on the floor, I don't think you'd slip on it, and I don't think people would laugh at you. I think you'd be fine. Um, well, you'd have how... to go to the NHS, which could be a problem. Well, how how was writing a book? how i've never done that that's hard it was it was intensely stressful <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i think um so i was asked if i wanted to write a book by harper collins which i i really wanted to do because i think there's lots of people who are worried about the nhs at the moment and it can be really difficult to figure out exactly what's going on and what the problems are and what we could do to make things better because there is quite a lot of hopeful stuff actually about the number of people who are becoming aware of what's going on so I thought if I wrote something down and could um, make it really clear and give some people some facts that they could understand what was happening, then that would be a good thing. But um, but I only had three months to write it because Harper, yeah, yeah, because HarperCollins wanted it to come out just before the NHS's 75th anniversary, which is this summer in July. And I thought that was a really good idea because 
quite often politicians use milestones like that as a sort of positive PR opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do things like turning up at hospitals and having photos taken or Theresa May at the 70th anniversary of the NHS said that she was giving a birthday present to the NHS, which was some funding, which she definitely should have given the NHS anyway, but hasn't done. (laughs) (laughs) So... sort of anticipate something like that might happen at the beginning of July from Rishi Sunak and so I thought right I want to write a book hopefully it'll get out there and and um, provide you know something for us to be talking about which isn't just politicians wearing little badges saying that they love the NHS so so we'll see I, I read Dr Julia if I can call you Dr Julia is that okay you just call me Julia that's fine we don't have that many doctors on the podcast so I really you know I want to make this one make this one count Dr Julia <laughs> What what I read, whatever about giving, you know, extra funding, I read that in 2021, um, the Queen awarded the entire NHS the George Cross. So gave all, and look at what all happened N- to her. NHS members, <clears throat> uh, past and present, the George Cross. Do you think it would go down well if they gave one medal to the whole army? You know, is that really, is it really, is it doing enough? You know? There was a mixture of responses to that. I think people who... You know, people who really liked the Queen thought it was a lovely, yeah, a lovely gesture. There were other <laughs> people who th- who thought, you know, other things might have been more useful, like proper pay. You know, yeah, yeah that would help. Yeah, so that yeah. they didn't have yeah. to set a up a hospital we own rather than rent. Yeah, exactly. That would have been yeah. nice. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, look, it is a complicated issue. You're going to take us through what's going on um, and, uh, and 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 the case that you make in the book. But firstly, we're going to start off with with uh, our three questions quiz. Pretty much every episode kicks off with our with our three question quiz. This one is only very tangentially related to, to the NHS. So I'm not sure if the answers will be contained within your book, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go. Um, so question number one. I'm gonna one. use each page as a reference point, I see. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, see if you can find it. I this. feel quite stressed out, guys. I'm not gonna lie because um, doctors like revising for things. And so when I heard <laughs> there was a quiz, I was only alerted today. I was like, oh, how can I prepare for this? Well, anything you could have done will, will not have helped. Um, and it's also, it, as we always say, this one's collaborative. Everyone, this, this question is to everyone. So, yeah, um, so if we fail, we failed together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. They can say whatever they want, Julia. I'm going to take you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so question number one, the NHS is the fifth largest employer in the world. Can you name any other three of the world's top 10 biggest employers? I actually can. What? Oh, oh. okay. I, I have one thing that came straight to mind, but Julia, you, you sound like you've got the other nine, do you? I've seen this image on the internet and I think I could name all of them. Amazing. Walmart. Okay, yes. McDonald's. <laughs> yes. The Chinese army. One of the armies. Uh, I was going to say the US. Yes. There's an army. Yes, yes, there is an oh, army. What's yes. the last one? Yes, yes, yes. The Chinese army's there. This is amazing. I mean, you've so won. You to revise. You've, you've, it you've, feels like you revised. You've answered <laughs> the question. The US so. army. Uh, I don't know. That's all I've got. Is it bananas? <laughs> Nice try, Will. Um, a lot I of mean, people use bananas. I yeah. like how you say that's all I've got because you gave the correct answer to the question. You know, I've got the correct answer to the question. That's all I've got, though. Yeah, but uh, being like trying to qualify as a doctor involves having to do all the extra stuff. Yeah. Which is why, yeah. Julia, this may not be an appropriate thing to bring up, but you did uh, extracurricular. Well, no, curricular, but an extra GCSE. Is that that's correct, right? How do you know about this? <laughs> 
I do my research, Julia. So you didn't read research. her book well. But you've <laughs> no. managed to find out what exams she did when she was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. How? How do you know? Um, I was I'm I was listening to you on uh, an episode of the the very entertaining and interesting podcast Time Capsule. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it was actually, it's very unfair for me to bring up because you said that you didn't I like don't like to about talk it. about this, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> do I have to talk about it now? I do, Not don't at all. I? No, you Everyone's don't have gonna to. Go and, I suppose they could go and listen to that podcast now. But it's yeah. in the time capsule, so it's like it didn't happen. It didn't happen, yeah. That, there you go. That's the that's probably the best teaser for another podcast yeah. that I've literally only listened to your episode of. It could all be dreadful apart from that one. <laughs> but it seemed great. <laughs> but yeah, so so top 10, uh, Walmart, uh, China Railway, uh, Ministry of Public Security, in China, McDonald's, they all have kind of 2.3 to 1.9 million. And then the NHS, you know, 1.7 million people, which is enormous. That's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, one out of one so far. Question two, then, is when I think of the UK and I think of healthcare, I think of Florence Nightingale. So we've got some Florence Nightingale facts. I'm going to give you three facts about Florence Nightingale, two of which are true and one of which I have made up. And you've got to work out which one I've made up. Okay. All right. So Florence Nightingale, fact number one, her name comes from the fact that she was born in the city of Florence in Italy. Um, Florence Nightingale her, fact. Her, her mum was a nightingale bird you got that confused Michael <laughs> <laughs> like I read it wrong <laughs> like Peppa Pig yeah exactly um, Florence Nightingale fact number two she believed that men were far less capable than women and that women would soon come to dominate positions of power in most professions and then Florence Nightingale number uh, fact number three that is quite hard to say I really <laughs> <laughs> it's not made this easy for myself. You could call it the Florence Writingales and Florence Wrongtingales. <laughs> Notingales. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, fact number three, her voice was recorded with some of Thomas Edison's new technology and you can still hear her voice today. What? So, uh, was it the name? Was it uh, uh, the fact that she believed that uh, men were far more uh, less capable than women? Or was it that her voice was recorded <laughs> by Thomas? Michael really struggled brain. with that being a concept there. <laughs> yeah. did you? I mean, Michael, all I'll say is, if you have made <laughs> up the idea that she thinks women are capable and should <laughs> take over various professions, like, you're, you're a brave man now, Michael. Um, the Florence, Italy thing, I think I've heard that before. You've but... heard of Florence in Italy before? Yeah, it's a real city. I didn't make that up. <laughs> Keep up, you. Julia, do you know this one? Have you revised for this one? Oh, I know a little bit about her, but the problem is they're not the facts I know about Florence Nightingale, so unfortunately. I find in, in exams and questions, it's always, they always the choose the facts wrong. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing about... You didn't study the right poets. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like that. It's just like that. She definitely wrote a paper about something to do with women and how they worked, but I can't remember if what she said was that, you know what you've just described or the opposite that women were awful at everything she said something that was controversial at the time so i don't oh. know and i doubt she was born in italy because i just you know it just it was a while back wasn't it i don't know that people were flitting about in the way that they do now nightingales yeah. flit about famously though. that's oh, kind yeah. of that's <laughs> their thing you know yeah, people talk they True. don't talk enough about how she was half 
bed. That, well, that what are her really... siblings called then? Yeah. Are they all? Uh, yeah. Rome, Pisa, Venice. Yeah, <laughs> the Thomas Edison recording. I mean, it's a real one. Michael would love, but the the timelines make sense. I mean, yeah, you know. And she was quite important. Like she wrote a paper for the government, didn't she? She wrote a white paper, so she. It's not like she's someone who became famous after she died. No, no. Like what happened to me, yeah. <laughs> Julia, you're the expert. I reckon so. it's the Florence, Italy one that's incorrect. That's wrong. And you were so close. You were so close to being right. Um, because it was actually point two. She believed that men were far... Uh, she actually believed that far, men were far... Well, it was that one that was wrong. Um, she <laughs> said, and I think maybe this is what you're referring to, I have never found one woman who has altered her life by one iota for me or my opinions. And she often referred to herself as a man of action and a man of business. Um, Mm. So not exactly the opposite of what I said, but, you know, uh, not cool, Florence. Um, But yeah, her name uh, did come from the city. Cancel Florence Nightingale. (laughs) Um, Her her name did did come from the city of Florence. Uh, and, And actually her siblings... Uh, well, she had a sister uh, who was named Parthenope, which apparently is a historical name for Naples, which was her birthplace. Um, and Florence herself found an owl in the city of Athens and named it Athena. So it seemed to have been a, a thing in the family. But yeah, her, her voice was recorded with some of Thomas Edison's technology. Um, I don't think by him, but by, by one of his agents. And uh, you can still hear it. Uh, um, but it was recorded on a, on a wax cylinder. We'll put the, the YouTube link up. Um, it's a fairly crap recording, if, I, if I'm honest. It, it sounds like one of our early episodes, actually, which we must have recorded on wax cylinders. Um, she's saying something about... Uh, uh, what, I mean, God, this, I listened to this yesterday. I've already forgotten it. That's bad. Like, preserved for eternity, but forgotten by me instantly. Um, no, she... Uh, it was something about, I hope that my voice will endure and, and be a testament to my work or something like that. It's, it's very short. It but but yeah. no other women. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. And I hope they stay quiet. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a bold fact that you've brought to the table there, Michael. Of all the good that Florence Nightingale, Nightingale did, yeah. you were like, no, it's important to talk about the men's rights angle. <laughs> well, um, Dr. Julia, she's a Florence Nightingale overrated, right? Like, highly overrated. I feel like if I say yes now, then it, there could be repercussions. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no safe answer well, like, the inventor of the inventor of modern nursing overrated well, well this is what this is exactly what it is but if you look at what she did basically she was she was in a nursing station are you station. saying this because she's a woman Michael no, no 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 but she was at a nursing station right and her her main point seems to have been that there were rats and feces on the floor and she was basically like get the rats out of here which I feel, if I said that in a healthcare setting, I wouldn't be called a genius. You know, they'd be like, obviously, what rats are cool. Michael? You know? Those rats were running the place. I'm just saying, if I said, like, rats, rats aren't great, and I don't think she was the first person to point that out. And if I said, get a rat out of a room, I wouldn't be called a visionary. So, um, Why didn't it change when she said it then, Michael? That's true. She did get it done. <laughs> no she had a load of fancy pie charts to, uh, to, 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 to show it off. Um, okay, so this I mean, is the strangest, <laughs> the strangest part of the podcast we've ever had. I don't know whose side anyone's on. Yeah, I, I think we're anti hand washing now. I don't know where yeah. we've gone. Just drink some bleach. Oh, I'm no. worried that we're gonna get cancelled. I'm just, yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling this part might get cut, but look, it's okay. <laughs> um, question three, uh, in the 
uh, in, the, in the three question quiz. Um, in 2012, the NHS introduced the six C's, a set of six words which express the key values in providing nursing care. Uh, so I'm going to give you the first four. And Are they one... all the same word? And they all refer to Michael Gove. <laughs> Just Jeremy Hunt's name misspelled. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you the first four, and uh, I I don't think I'm going to allow Dr. Julia to even guess this because you probably know. I don't know. Maybe it's more of a nursing concept than a doctor concept. I don't know. So Will and Hugh, I'm going to ask you to guess the final two. But the first four are care, compassion, courage, and communication. Care, compassion, courage, and communication. You got two more C's. Kindness. If you're not too funny about the details. <laughs> Uh, being chill. Being be, chill. Be chill. Be chill and be cool. Yeah. Compassion, care, courage. Cool. Chill. Consideration. Close. I guess that's probably already. Cooperation. Oh, cooperation. No. Uh, Collaboration. No. Hmm. Will I give them to you? Uh, no, no, we're going to... The whole no, podcast gonna, now is this. Yeah, Julia, gonna. do you know them? I knew like two of them, but probably anyone could have got those. <laughs> no. I feel like a failure now. Critical, right, gonna, compassion, communication. And... That's what, oh, I'm going to... Wait, I'm going to... Critical. Critical by Julia Grace Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find some C words in your book. <laughs> Coordination. Campaigning. Good words, not the right words, though. Well, um, courage. No, the final yeah, two. Courage. Yeah, courage is there, but I think I said it, <laughs> so no points. <laughs> nice try, though. Um, Did we say care? Did we say care? We, that's the first one that I said. You're just saying the words that I said. Okay, um, we're now we've now gone long enough that we're thinking thinking Clever. of stuff that we'd forgotten. Chutney, chutney, <laughs> and chimney. No, it's care, compassion, Crisps. courage, communication, commitment. <laughs> And comedy, because laughter is the last. Me- is the best medicine. No, it's competence. It's commitment and competence is what. Laughter is the last. Laughter is the last medicine. I guess it is in a way. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I mean, so so on the quiz, guys. <laughs> if I can, if I can assess it as that. Um, it's a hard quiz, I think. What we might do, uh, Doctor Julia, if we can ask you just to give us a very quick intro for for particularly for our non UK listeners, very quick intro mm-hmm. to the NHS. Um, because certainly as an Irish person, it's, you know, it's just one of those words that British people say, like uh, Waitrose or Middlesbrough, you know, it means the same kind of thing to me. So, um, so just a very brief overview of what the NHS is, and then we might get into the, the problems and, and some of the arguments in the book. Sure. So the NHS is the National Health Service, and it spans the whole of the UK. It's, there's four different healthcare systems. But they all get called the NHS, which is confusing because they are separate and they've got slight differences. Um, And the NHS was started in 1948, just after the Second World War. um, And it was part of a number of different aspects of the welfare state that was set up following the Second World War. Um, The public really, really like the NHS, Mm -hmm. but it's very expensive and depending on what political party is in charge, some of them think it's great and some of them want to destroy it, but they don't really talk about it. They sort of pretend that they love it as well whilst quietly destroying it. (laughs) And that's what's been happening recently. 
and the public are becoming more aware that it's being destroyed because mm-hmm. everything's terrible and they can't get access to healthcare now. And the politicians in charge, the Conservative government, are sort of starting to criticise the NHS publicly for the first time. Okay. I've heard them just in the last six months or so. So it's kind of, a, it's an interesting time and the public are starting to becoming more and more aware that there's problems and are asking questions, which I'm very hopeful about because campaigning, when I first started campaigning for the NHS about seven or eight years ago, I remember telling people that, you know, it's going to get privatised and one man actually laughed at me in the street because he thought mm. I was being so ridiculous. Mm, mm. And it was difficult to know how to convey the messages, you know, but now, unfortunately, things got so bad that that now people are up for having that conversation. And I hope that it means that we'll be able to get some change, create some change together. Mm. So, and and you, you talked about its popularity amongst the public. I think there was a poll within the last 10 years that found that the NHS was more popular with the British public than the armed forces, than the BBC and than the monarchy. So, uh, mm. so, so very much beloved. Do you, do you think they're the the best three things about a country <laughs> the army the that's, monarchy that's apparently what um all of your fellow countrymen think i think I, I, so, do you know what yeah that's that's yeah, really that's yeah. sprung back and hit me in the face hasn't it that's <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah yeah i don't know you tell me will <laughs> but the nhs um i guess was uh, and is so beloved because it worked so well for so long as well right it, it did work very well as a system and and yeah after it was founded it was kind of i think i guess was probably the biggest kind of socialist achievement of the 20th century in, in, in British politics. So when when did the problem start? Is it the last decade? Is it post-austerity? Is that is that really when everything kicked in? This is one of the things that's quite difficult for people to understand because there's two aspects to the NHS being dismantled, which is what's happening at the moment. There's reforms that politicians have been putting in place over the last four decades or so, and those have involved introducing an internal marketplace initially so that NHS providers were having to compete with each other for service provision and then in about 10 or 20 years ago lots of hospitals were built with PFI debt which meant that private companies were involved politicians didn't want to make a massive outlay of public funds to build the hospitals we needed and so they involved private companies and essentially the companies would build these facilities and then they would get leased back off the private companies and in the short term it looked really attractive because the public weren't having to pay billions of pounds to build things but in the long term it's been terrible it's loaded up the service with a lot of debt and the debt is carried by individual nhs trusts which are the sort of local um provider of healthcare in each area mm-hmm. so there's some parts of england where there's a lot of debt in that nhs trust because of decisions that was made by politicians 10 or 20 years ago so there's there's that problem and then mm-hmm. um most recently the service has lots of outsourced providers so they now allow non-nhs non-public services to come in and win contracts to run services locally and in england thousands of nhs services are now actually run by other organizations like non-profits but also private companies and all of those reforms have created a system where the architecture of the entire system is now very fragmented and it doesn't work cohesively and very well because a lot of the relationships between services and the relationships between patients and staff have been broken down. 
because there's a lot of short-term contracts happening, a lot of privatisation, etc. So that's one aspect of it. The kind of architecture of the system is really fragmented and that's a huge mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. that people don't talk about very much. But people have only become aware of those four decades of problems and all of the problems with the systemic structure because this particular government, the Conservative government since 2010, have cut the funding massively. Mm-hmm. And what that has meant is that they haven't invested in things that need investing in. There's over 10 billion just in unmet repairs in England in the NHS. So there's loads of really horrible problems like sewage, you know, leaking through walls and they're not sorting it out and stuff like that. Um, and they've treated the staff really badly and a lot of the staff have left. So because there's underfunding and the buildings are crumbling down and there's loads of privatisation, there's now loads of problems and this government is not responding to them in the way they should do. They're actually funneling more and more money into private companies like management consultant companies and other places um, mm-hmm. when they should be sorting out the public service. And so it's a bit of a mess at the moment. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and the, one of the problems we have is that the... You know, at the next general election, I think for a long time people hoped that if a Labour government came in, Labour would change things because Labour calls itself the party of the NHS. But um, Keir Starmer, during his leadership bid, when he wanted to become leader of the Labour Party, he stood on a kind of a number of pledges that he said he was going to stand by. And one of them mm-hmm. was that he was going to remove NHS outsourcing. And he has since dropped that pledge and has started talking about how privatisation is going to help the NHS and this sort of thing and so people are quite scared and angry because it feels at the moment like there's not an obvious political party who could take charge of the NHS and improve things and so um, grassroots campaigning I guess is becoming more important because probably what's going to happen is Starmer will become Prime Minister because he's quite popular at the moment and everybody well not everybody but the vast majority of people are very happy with the Tories um but we're probably going to have to put Labour under a lot of pressure to change their policies because at the moment they're not um, they're not they're not looking like they're going to do what's necessary to rebuild the service in the way it needs to be. But and what is the argument? Is the argument just money, or is the argument efficiency for moving to privatisation? The I mean the problem is everybody. I think everybody thinks that there's inefficiencies and problems in the NHS. You're not going to find a single person who mm. thinks it all runs smoothly. It's all brilliant. Oh yeah. But the, but politicians use this word reform, and when they use the word reform, certainly over the last few decades, what they actually mean is we're going to write some legislature that's going to make it easier to infiltrate another bit of privatisation into the service. But the public who know that there are problems in the NHS quite often hear that word and think, yes, things aren't very good. Please reform it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 difficult and um, and politicians are very sly about the whole thing i mean that that's a really judgmental thing for me to say but <laughs> i think it's it's a problem and a lot of politicians have been running the nhs in a very short-termist way so that nobody wants to be the person who's holding the bill for the hospitals and that's not actually specific to this particular group of conservative politicians it's been going on for decades and mm. some of our hospitals are older than the NHS itself. They're really old and creaky and they don't, the, the wrong shape and the corridors aren't wide enough for the beds and all this sort of stuff. Um, because no one wants to spend that money out of the public purse. Um, so there's a lot There's a lot of problems. Well, we want, want to hear a bit more about the campaign and the proposals in a second. And I will say, I'm making the commitment right now, we are going to do our bit for this. We are going to, at the end of the episode, have a song about the state of the NHS and what could be done to fix it. I'm committing to that Gosh. right now. Yes. 
I, I made that commitment. I can't sing, so he will have to sing it. So he's probably furious that I've that I've made that yeah. promise. Um, but um... Hugh doesn't look <laughs> impressed about this. Not many words rhyme with health. Yeah, stealth, I suppose. Wealth. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you're doing a brilliant segue or just accidentally stumbling onto the fact that Julia herself has made music that has raised awareness and campaigned for the NHS. No, it was the stumbling. It was 100% the stumbling. <laughs> the stumbling. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, Julia, so... do you want to talk about the music you made? <laughs> Which sounds sure. very belittling. Why talk when you can sing? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> no, um, I got into NHS campaigning around 2015 because um, Jeremy Hunt was trying to push through a contract on junior doctors, which was unfair, and we were very unhappy about it. And lots and lots of doctors started coming together, and we were doing all these rallies and protests and going on strike and all sorts of stuff. A whole group of us decided that we wanted to write a song so that when we turned up at rallies or protests or whatever, we would have something to sing. And it kind of mushroomed because somebody got a really impressive choral director involved who actually was really good at writing music. And then he said, well, why don't we release a single? This will be really good. And we were sitting there like, what have we started? But anyway, um, what happened was we recorded this song and um, I mean, it got a degree of publicity. But the thing that was funny about it was that um, we wanted to go on to interviews and talk about the politics of the situation that we thought the NHS was being undermined and um, we found that we'd get invited into quite high profile talk shows because they'd think like oh you know lovely sort of fluffy interlude yeah. let's have this sort of fluffy choir so, you know we'd all stand there and sing our song and then they'd invite you over to the couch and you know you're supposed to have a little bit of chit chat with the presenters and then we'd launch into like you know we think it's really terrible the governor awful and they'd be a bit like oh god why have we invited these people so it was like it was quite a sneaky way of getting some media so I, uh, I immediately regret the offer of the song. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, yeah, you've, uh, deeply. yeah, deeply, deeply. And also we've done loads of songs and we haven't been invited to any couches on TV or not, you know? So, no, I mean, that's probably because the message we're trying to push forwards is listen to our podcast rather than <laughs> yeah. save the crumbling NHS. <laughs> yeah. You get, yeah. Yeah. You just need 50 doctors to, you know, what else? 50 comedians. Is that how you guys call, call your, your comedians, right? 50 comedians. That's, that's tough when someone has to ask that question. You guys are supposed to be comedians, right? It's like when you ask if someone's famous, the, the sort of question precludes the answer. Or if, if someone was like, what's your job title? Do you say comedian? Well, I say primary school teacher. <laughs> Podcast producer. Thank you for thinking this is my full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say actor and comedian. Yeah, it's good to have two. Yeah, because yeah. then they're like, yeah. oh, that's probably why I haven't seen them in comedies, probably too busy acting, you know? Yeah, and vice versa. And vice versa, yeah. yeah. If, someone's, versa. if someone watches drama and comedy, they'll be like, I got, I know, I know I haven't seen you in anything. Yeah. Do you call yourself podcasters? Is that a profession? Do you know, it's interesting though, because actually it's really frustrating because when Keir Starmer was running for the leadership, one of his pledges was actually to push more funding into legitimate advice, and he's since let that one go, you know? 
so it's kind of you're just like what are we doing here yeah, yeah and I, i've got a six-part series uh coming out uh, as an expose on the life of florence nightingale michael uh, so i just you know be... thought you were about to start that sentence by saying yeah and i've got a six-pack yeah. <laughs> it's like michael just to... stop trying to impress the guy just it's fyi like... <laughs> yeah. i can't believe you've only just you've only just told us about this conflict of interests i find that really troubling you, oh yeah you know because you, you started this <laughs> quiz you didn't tell anybody that this was your specialist subject yeah, we yeah. were all floundering yeah yeah this is how, this is how i, I get. love that yeah you, you the first question you've ever asked about a woman in the quiz was a woman is not a feminist <laughs> yeah yeah just I'm to just... platform yourself to talk through a woman's voice about how women are. But I've I've, yeah. now, I've got loads of tips from you now, Dr. Julian, on how to start a, a grassroots movement, you know? So now, now I know I can get the groundswell against Florence Nightingale. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> She's not alive anymore, is she? So against <laughs> her. Yeah, so can we, yeah. can we stop talking about her then? <laughs> yeah. Julia started every doctor. You can start one dead nurse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the most serious uh, episode we've we've had and rightly so and then this has happened in the middle of it hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. <laughs> I've got a question, Julia, but when it terms to, when it comes to like, fixing the NHS, I guess. Is there an argument that because of all the damage that's been done to it, because of the damage that has been done over decades, so when all this damage started, it was, I suppose, relatively old-fashioned compared to today, and mm-hmm. maybe didn't progress as you would expect it to. Is it too far gone, though, to fix? You know, Or like, has mm-hmm. it gone too sprawly, rambly, tampered with to actually get it back to the ideal that might be great, but is that is that actually possible to get back to, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people who will tell you it has gone too far, or they'll just say, mm. kind of, there's no point, and, you know, why are you, why are you talking about this still? <laughs> I get that yeah. quite a lot. But um, I think in, there's two bits of that question. So, so first of all, I think anyone who says it's kind of hopeless and it's gone too far, I would say, well, when, when it started in the first place, we were just coming out of the Second World War, and mm. society was in an absolute state and we still managed to build the best healthcare system in the world out of nothing. So I think, you know, humans can do a lot and and it's definitely possible. Um, but a lot would need to change and there would need to be put a lot, a lot of investment into this. I mean, it would have mm. to be a real commitment from the government to remove all of the outsourcing that's currently there and to turn it back into a fully public service. That would cost loads of money. But the thing is, and this is what I get into in my book, is that 
There is an NHS constitution. It's got three things, three goals that the NHS is meant to provide as a service. So it's meant to provide an equal service for everybody. It's meant to provide comprehensive healthcare for everybody. And it's meant to deliver it based on somebody's clinical need, not their ability to pay. And that's on the government website. So that's the, that's what they're meant to be delivering. And, and it's a project, right? So like you said, Hugh, you know, medicine has changed. Healthcare has changed enormously over the past 75 years. What we expect has changed from healthcare enormously. So it's never going to be a static project. It's always going to have to evolve. And so those mm. three core principles are really central. And politicians should be making their decisions based on how we're going to keep these three things central and how are we going to give people the best care equal care and care you know comprehensive care for everything they need if you look at what's happening in the nhs right now the service is collapsing there's 7.4 million people on an nhs waiting list in england alone this winter this is a bit grim but like this is what happened um people mm. were unable to access urgent care and up to 500 patients died per week because they were doing things like calling ambulances that never turned up so the system is collapsing and those three principles are not being met. So the government are not providing what, what they're meant to mm. in terms of a public service. And so to my mind, they either need to drastically change things and throw investment at the service and change the way things are, or they need to hold a public referendum about abandoning the NHS constitution mm. because they're not delivering mm. on the things that they're said they're delivering on, right? And I think if they were to do a public referendum, you guys are pretty bad at those. They're not gonna. They're not gonna want to abandon them. They love. They love the NHS. So the yeah. the, the, the government through all of these reforms they've been doing for the last four decades, they've never they've never asked the public what they think because the public would say no. We do, you know we don't want mm. privatization. And in terms of how how medicine and I guess the profile of illnesses have changed. So if you go back 70, 80 years, like the leading cause of death were infections and accidents and you know things like that whereas now um which and, and, and as a result they very much required like a hospital centric model whereas now it tends to be longer term conditions which maybe shouldn't be managed in a hospital setting is that is that part of the issue that it's built around hospitals whereas maybe a different type of healthcare is needed now the, there's been loads and loads of change so when the nhs started intensive care medicine didn't really exist and a and e medicine wasn't the way it currently is and psychiatry was a very very different specialty so there's so many things like you say that have changed what we need in terms of infrastructure and mm. they've tried to design hospitals at various junctures of the nhs's history which sort of makes sense for about 20 years and then they realize oh there's no way we can put a scanner or that you know the corridors aren't big enough for beds or whatever so things do change all the time and you're absolutely right as we've got an aging population um, thankfully people live longer and lots of people live with chronic conditions and can do so in their homes and stuff but um, that's why the project needs to be reimagined continually it needs to be seen as a, a project that you know we keep these three goals central and we we move forward with it and we progress as a society and as things change the, the project changes I mean I think that's a really hopeful Mm, idea sure. and you know something that we haven't spoken about which doesn't get spoken about because everybody's dealing with just you know people people dying in the backs of ambulances and things like that is that there's loads of problems in the nhs which reflect the problems in our wider society um there's loads of vulnerable groups who don't get equal care um we should be looking at the nhs leadership and making sure mm -hmm. that it reflects 
what the population looks like and it doesn't at the moment you know there's there's loads of barriers um but it's difficult to see how we could get to those really big challenges when we're in a situation where we're like we don't have enough ambulances to turn up and save people's lives you know it's it's awful at the moment and meanwhile you read these articles from private healthcare companies that are saying like it's fantastic so many business opportunities in the uk it's all growing and they're all making loads and loads of money yeah you know there's lots of people now going private because they can't get the service they need in the nhs as well so i mean what Mm. you hear about in the news is people Mm. who can actually afford it and they stick it on a credit card or they borrow money from a friend or something but I'm always thinking when I read those articles, well, what about the people who don't have any friends or don't have, you yeah. know, they, they can't get into debt. They don't have a support system. And certainly what you hear, because I used to work in uh, the healthcare industry, not as a, as a clinician, but it was to do with um, support provided to, to children with serious illnesses. And I remember going into it initially and I'd always hear, oh, this particular child has a 24-7 package with HSE or this particular child has, you know, 12 hours a day nursing or whatever else. And I always thought, oh, that's great. But then it was explained to me, yes, but they don't actually, ha- those hours aren't getting filled, you know? Like the package is approved, you know? Like the package has been approved for that person, but there aren't nurses there to do it. And I appreciate that's a different argument, but it's it's another it's another instance where, it sounds great, you know? You're like, this is brilliant. This is a child who needs 24-7 care and they've they've got a package approved and, and that's all sorted out. It's just that they're not getting it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's another one where the optics of it look great, but the realities and the practicalities maybe aren't there, you know? Absolutely. Are there aspects of healthcare systems in other countries that that sort of provide an example or a, 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 a way out of this? I mean, obviously not the US, right? Don't want to go that direction. Yeah, yeah. But... but <laughs> Uh, you know, have other countries faced this problem? Or because it, it kind of feels like the NHS was sort of the jewel in the crown. It was one of the health systems that many other countries aspired to. That was so. India, Michael. Yeah, Michael, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the problems at the moment, actually, is that because the NHS is now failing, some of the rhetoric which is coming out from journalists and politicians is that you know oh we we know it's not working so let's see if we can learn from another country which has a more privatized model and Mm. at the moment there's there's some articles coming out suggesting that we should move to a healthcare insurance model um which would be part privately you know so people would it would be means tested so some people would get more paid for than others right um which i think is basically where where we are right i think that's what ireland is is on this one and yeah, yeah. people are comparing what the NHS is now like to, compared to some of the European models, which looking at it right now, I mean, there are countries that are doing better than the NHS. But what gets lost in that is that um, there's ways of um, determining which healthcare systems are working the best at any one time. And there's a, an organisation called the Commonwealth Fund who are based, I think, in Washington. And in 2014 and 2017, they judged the NHS to be the best healthcare system in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's lost the top spot now in 2021 because, you know, everything that's gone on, the underfunding, the pandemic had a massive impact on the NHS. But but we don't need a new healthcare model. We just need to invest and take care of the one we have because it was working really, really well. And a healthcare insurance model clearly makes a lot of money for some people. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's you know I don't think that's the way to go. I mean, well, I suppose yeah. just the other yeah. thing is it's it's so complex. And you know when you talk about reform or or fixing the system that exists, like 
anything to do with healthcare and any changes that require that widespread action and even and, and, and I suppose it's the impact that they have um, because you look at the US I appreciate it's a different system but you know and particularly over the last couple of election cycles when Bernie Sanders has been involved is this whole idea of universal health care and I remember someone saying to me you know universal health care would be brilliant and it's like well, of course it would be brilliant you know but but actually achieving it is is another matter and and the the knock-on effects of it like i think i think and, and on ordinary people as well you know like i think if you look at like pension funds that ordinary people are are in involved with in america say there's so much investment in healthcare insurance companies so like so you know if those insurance companies aren't there then that's i know listen i suppose it's a longer term thing than that and and i'm i'm getting us off the top of the nhs but oh but it's often used as a political football in the election cycle which is a quote from julia i love uh, political football the during political the time football. when boris johnson tackled that guy like he just headbutted him right there right do you the mean groin. when he tackled the kid he did yeah. Tackle yeah, yeah, the kid. yeah 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 i yeah, love yeah. that you're still trying to find the positives for boris johnson <laughs> Look, someone's got to, man. Other than Boris and his sister, someone's got to. Well, I'm the dean. But yeah, that it's used as like, we'll, we'll come in and fix it. Uh, but like, you need, you need a long-term plan and strategy. Because I think yeah. what you're saying there, Hugh, is that it's easy to say universal healthcare, but to, to, you can't flick a switch and turn that around. But there, is, there are things you can do to make far-reaching change that will take sure. longer than your term will be. But I think you've hit on the really important thing there, which is that it goes beyond political terms mm. and mm. ultimately any election cycle election cycles even if even if the 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 term of government itself is not getting shorter election cycles seem to be getting shorter now or, or rather there's never not an election cycle going on mm. and so yeah i mean unfortunately the nature of the political system that a lot of western democracies are is that you your one of your key jobs is to get elected next time round and therefore it's very dangerous to say what you need to that, say yeah yeah you know it's like yeah. there's a great there's a great um bit in yes minister um where you know the the private secretary says to the minister he says the minister suggests some initiative and sir humphrey says Minister, that's a very, uh, it's a very courageous suggestion, and the minister says, "Oh my God, is it? Oh, well, then don't do that," you know. And so you're you're fighting against the system, you know, where with the best will in the world, and and some politicians do have the best will in the world. I I believe that, but hmm. the reality of the situation they're in, are they actually going to commit to something that is going to take years and years of hardship potentially? Um, and therefore, they're unlikely to actually reap the benefits, you know, because by that stage, they might be long gone. Career might be over. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, you can call that cynical and, and, and it is, I guess. But that's that's the world. That's the world we live in. It's difficult in the UK because we're very lucky that we have some really excellent universities and some really excellent, really old institutions, some really great medical institutions the profession the medical profession is thought of really highly like we've got really good medical tradition and people and and so the fact that these politicians change all the time like you say it's a huge problem because what's right for a hospital what's right for a local population often isn't something that's going to sound particularly exciting on a piece of paper that a politician's Mm. going to write you know in an election manifesto 
And yeah. if there could be a lot more cross-party working and collaborative long-term plans, that would benefit the patient, but it's not going to benefit a political party that's trying to win power. So there's always going to yeah. be that clash, isn't there? And, and what about the, um, so the 1.7 million people who work for the NHS? Do you think, obviously, you know, they've come through a challenging decade in terms of these changes for, for the NHS, and then especially you know, an unbelievably challenging period since, since COVID. Do you think the willpower is there? Do you think the ability is there? Do you think there's sort of a common consensus amongst that, that group of people about what needs to be done? There's a lot of frustration and a lot of people are leaving and either going abroad. There's loads of nurses who are leaving the profession and doing something else because they're not paid very well. And so I've heard stories recently of nurses, you know, stopping work in the NHS who are, you know, highly trained. They've been doing it for ages and they go and do something like work in a restaurant or work in a shop or start their own business or something. And it's sad because, you know, we've got this kind of exodus of skills and staff at the moment. And so... I think there are a lot of people who want change, but it, it's difficult, I think, when it comes down to the staff itself, themselves. Um, I sometimes get emails from very well-meaning people who will send me something and say, oh, I thought, you know, I thought your doctors might want to read this or attend this event or whatever, and it'll be something about the demise of the NHS. And it's like, mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're kind of living it, guys. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back off. Some of them yeah. might want to go along, but, but yeah. most of them, you know, when, when they've gone home from work, I imagine want to switch off a bit and not talk about it. So, Michael, do you have uh, do you have a cryptic clue I, for us? I, I do. I was going to say, um, I, I've got I've actually got a series of cryptic clues, uh, Dr. Julia. This is something we occasionally do on the podcast. Where Every time you uh, say Dr. Julia, you look down or close your eyes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, if you can't I'm, make eye contact. It's because I'm kind of committed to it now. <laughs> I have to, right, yeah. You can drop I don't, it, I wouldn't mind. I don't, well, that's not my style. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I've, So these are a series of sort of cryptic crossword type clues um, and I've given them a, a medical healthcare uh, sort of bent this week. So I've got three, three of these. Um, so the first one I'll give you, I guess the, 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 the category is this is a, a medical speciality. So a type of doctor, I guess. Um, so oh, it's key... not like a dish you'd eat in a hospital. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the clue is, this X-factor personality is very rational. That is, this X-factor personality... Yeah, I know what I know what this is. Hugh, so quick, so fast. I, I don't know much about medicine, but I know a lot about cryptic crosswords. <laughs> An X-factor. I also like, yeah, that Michael, again, his cultural touchstone <laughs> is the X-factor. <laughs> the um, running joke is that I get sent a sort of a culture tape to uh, keep up to... <laughs> Keep up to speed with the kids. I think it's, you know? a, it's a culture wax cylinder, is it? Not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Julia, are you any good at cryptic crosswords? No, cryptic not really. Clues? No. Great. So, Hugh, have you already got it? Mm, yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. Is, is you going to tell us? It... I can. Crucially, though, Michael, you've said it. You've given the adjectives, though, haven't you? Unless you don't know how words work. That's true. That is true, Hugh. Yeah, <laughs> so, cut to the core of me. <laughs> well, I think he's he's using the abbreviation for Simon Cowell that was also his company, which was Psycho. So you might be able to get it from there. I, I'm rational. actually not. I'm actually not. Psychological. I mean, you've come up with a different answer, but you would not be... You're, you're very Whoa. close, Hugh. Is it psychiatry? Louis Walsh logical? 
Think, think, think. This is this is this is actually better. It's the first time I've been better at this than Hugh. <laughs> no, psychological is the answer, Michael. I'm it's willing not. to hear no, your worst not. answer, but okay, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, real, real ruling, crypto crosswords, Michael. You're not allowed to give them two options. There's only got to be only one answer. Who else is on the X Factor? Was on the X Factor. Think Louis Walsh. Presenter. Think presenter. Anton Deck. Dermatological. That's it. Amazing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dermatolyrological. <laughs> <laughs> that is the speciality I want to get into. Dermatolyrology. Yeah, yeah. Dermatological. Yeah, dermatological. Okay, well, there you go. I didn't get it. Um, uh, cryptic clue number two is a... This is actually a condition or, I guess, an illness, um, uh, which is an odd one. Being a woman. Um, <laughs> so this is... It's... Um, the clue is uh, what Yoda says when his sister won't lend him any money. <laughs> that is what Yoda says when his sister won't lend him any okay. money. I love this, even though I don't know it yet. <laughs> so. Mean sis is to me. I mean, <laughs> it's close. Something, something sis, ending sis, I presume. Well, it's Yoda, so... Yeah. Would it would it end with sis or I mean? The, the... Oh uh, no, something iosis. Uh... Uh, no, what what I mean? That's the thing about <laughs> Yoda. He says things the other way around, right? So sis is not sis at the end. Me. It's at the <laughs> beginning. Sis, <laughs> you sis. So his, she won't lend him money. Yeah. What's sis what's someone who is today? What's someone who won't lend you any money? What would you say about them? A skin flint. No, adjective. Mean, I said mean. You're getting closer, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 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 cheap. Tight. Uh, yes, Hugh. So. Hepatitis. No. M meningitis. What Yoda says Cis when his sister won't lend him any money. Cystitis. Yes. Is that a th I didn't know what cystitis was. Yes, is that when you have cysts? That's it. Cis tight yes. is. Cis tight is. And of course, cystitis is a common type of urinary tract infection uh for those of you following at home um and Which, okay uh, yeah you gotta drink cranberry juice that's yeah well that's, that'll fix it right? i think i'll ask dr julia what we should drink dr julia would you approve will's medical advice some people say it helps we'll leave <laughs> okay. it at qualified rec qualified recommendation um um and uh okay the last if I ever one write a book that quote's going to be on it. Some people say it has. <laughs> Dr. Julia Grace Patterson. Julia's told us that she's let her registration lapse. She is not going to be called out <laughs> exactly. giving dangerous advice on a podcast. Yeah. About juice. Are yeah, you writing yeah. a medical book, Will? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. It's called The Four Seas. The Five Seas? Six Seas, Six. Will. Six. Sailing the Six Seas. <laughs> so, okay, last cryptic clue. This is a piece of um, equipment that a doctor will use, um, you know, commonly associated with, with doctors. So, tell a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints what's inside a fig roll, and also tell him what's the imperial, imperial equivalent of zero feet. What the so that is, tell a member of the Church of the Latter-day Saints what's inside a fig roll, and also tell him what's the imperial equivalent of zero feet. Well... I, yeah, so it's a something ometer. Uh, is it? Yes, it is. It is. It but is. But it's not a thermometer. 
No. It's a figmormonometer. I'm pretty close. Spig. Spigmormometer. Spig. You wouldn't say there's sphix inside that. Yeah, you would. There's sphix. Yeah, maybe. What's inside inside. a sphig, Rob? Sphix. Yeah. If you... If you've drunk a lot of fig wine and you're, yeah, you're at a fig-themed dinner. <laughs> yeah, Sphigs I love that. That's I love fig. So, and, and Julia, what is a yeah. Sphigs mormometer? It's the blood pressure, you know, and then the thing, the dial. Michael loves those. I do. Makes him feel like he's ripped. But yeah, that was it. Well, well done, Dr. Julia. In my head, that was Sphig Mormon no meter. You know, that's what it was. Anyway, <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. What did you say? Uh, Mormon. It's yeah. Mormon. It's a bit rude. <laughs> it is. I mean, to address someone like that, yeah, it would be a little rude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. What would you, what would you recommend fig juice for, Julia, in your professional medical opinion? <laughs> I just, does, does fig juice exist? Is that a fig? Again, you can make juice out of anything. You wouldn't get much juice out of a fig, would you? Yeah, but you wouldn't it get It sounds much. like a very Victorian juice, you know? <laughs> it really does. Well, I mean, they don't, they're not always like they are in fig rolls, you know? <laughs> That's the only time. I'm not sure the fig roll is the purest form of the fig. <laughs> uh, they grow like that, Hugh. Yeah, they do. You have to unpeel the, the pastry or the dough yeah. around the view. That's how you get the pastry. <laughs> what sort of fig rolls are you eating? <laughs> what? I would like this some... is what happens in Dublin, clearly. Yeah. 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 Michael's love for the artisan bakery that he's always talking about. Do you get pastry fig rolls? <laughs> um, that's it for my cryptic clues, guys. No. They were hard. Uh, so they were so very I, cryptic. I, I kind of feel like we should we should you know normally Dr. Julia we finish off uh, each episode with um, our final judgments on whether something is a legitimate like or not. I feel it would be churlish do do uh, suggest that the nhs is not a legitimate like so probably what, what we finished up on is is your uh well your recommendations what 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 should we all care about what we should do what should we want to see happen um in the in the next couple of years or should the sooner? nhs drink a big glass of cranberry juice to make it feel better <laughs> yeah recommendation from will i don't think that's going to fix things I um... oh, This is classic doctor bias. Not accepting <laughs> yeah. alternative remedies to fixing the NHS with a glass of clam- cranberry juice. My mum's a massive promo- proponent of the cranberry juice theory. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. So I think at the moment people need to be holding politicians to account about lots of different things. This is one big, one big example, the NHS. But I think people are waking up to the idea that the media isn't always telling people the full story or that it's not being scrutinized and analyzed sufficiently. And I think there's a really big difference between what the public wants from the NHS and what politicians are delivering, regardless of how great their slogans sound or what they're writing in manifestos and things. Um, And I think we need to be asking the questions of the politicians about why the service isn't functioning, because they're very successful at the moment at scapegoating staff or blaming patients for demanding too much or saying that it's all too expensive. But if you look at the actual figures, the facts and the figures, we had the most effective healthcare system in the world just a few years ago, and it wasn't the most expensive healthcare system in the world. And it's been a phenomenal thing for so many decades now. It's so valued by the public. Um, that if things carry on their current trajectory, we're going to lose it. So we have to start speaking up now. 
And I'm very aware, I suppose the final thing I'd like to say is that I didn't used to consider myself very political. And I know that a lot of people don't really like being outspoken. They think it's sort of making a scene or, you know, it's going to upset people or something. But this is really, really important. And it actually, a lot of people across the political spectrum, regardless of who you vote for, want the service to continue. Mm -hmm. And I think if we keep that in mind and people can kind of come together and talk about it and listen to one another we would be able to come up with solutions to make this better it doesn't have to be sort of um a fight a political fight i think sometimes it's the politicians who turn it into a fight and you know if the public became more aware of what was happening i think we could you know we could get over this it could be rebuilt and i think that's quite a hopeful thing that's very hopeful and if you want to if you want to learn more about it buy a copy of critical and get online and go to everydoctor.org.uk and join in that's what i'd say thanks will i'd like to say the way i said that it sounded like this is a paid sponsorship it's absolutely not yeah but julia <laughs> if you'd like to pay for yeah. it say it's yeah oh yeah great actually if you'd like to pay for it uh, i think it'd be more efficient actually if you privately own the podcast from now on i think it'd probably be better did the banana pay for advertising <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Julia, the banana has been paying for billions of years. I have one other question to ask you, um, completely off topic, but just because you're a doctor and you're here, how do you feel about AI's impact on medicine, I suppose, in the future? And do you anticipate it being broadly positive or broadly negative? Um, I'm really scared about it, but also quite excited about it. And I feel a bit guilty about being excited because of the scary stuff as well. It is going to change everything, I think. It, and people used to say that five or ten years ago in healthcare, and it was quite difficult to understand what they really meant by that. I don't, I don't know if, even if they knew, really. It just used to get thrown around mm. as a phrase, like everything's going to change and we'll just have robots. And I think doctors, certainly I used to think, well, what? Like, how's that even going to work? That won't work. But the idea that, um, you know, AI, ChatGPT and, and equivalents now have the ability to absorb so much data. At the moment, um, I don't think you could completely replicate what a human can do in terms of care within a healthcare setting. But there's so many other things that could be done that would remove human error and could, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, suppose, yeah. work alongside people. That would be the ideal, wouldn't it? If, if I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's mind-boggling thinking what could happen in healthcare, hopefully for the better. But there's there's that, also that other concern, I guess, which I think about, I'm sure everybody else does about, like, well, what's going to happen to the workforce then? What, what are we all going to be doing if there's these robots who are much better than us? Yeah, but I suppose that's why I feel medicine and healthcare is such an interesting area, because there's also a lot of talk at the moment of what it would do to in the creative sphere, I suppose, sort of um, writing and art and things like that. And I suppose the difference I would see in healthcare is that the, like, the ultimate goal there is to make patients better, you know, or, well, to provide them care. And certainly, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, you would hope that there's a, a, a compassion and care element that AI probably can't provide. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if a disease can be treated better or diagnosed better, by a non-human well then we should do it shouldn't we because because ultimately about it's about trying to trying to make people as as well as we can but then obviously there are the risks associated with it as well Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, look, it's a very complex one, but... And yes, I should say, I'm not just looking for an excuse to drive all healthcare staff out of work. No, there's, there's loads that can be done. It's really interesting on the writing front, isn't it? Because obviously, you, could, you know, creativity itself, I don't think you could replicate, but we put something through ChatGPT the other day that was just some wording that we wanted to make clearer and kind of a bit less jargony. And it was incredible. Just like, comes out, you think course that makes so much more sense that's so much better than mm-hmm. i could have done you know and that's just a tiny example of something that can be done well i've just i've just asked chat gpt there to pitch some um some taglines for books about bananas okay um so we've got uh, go bananas for this pulp fiction a fruitful tale of adventure that's um, fr- that's worked pretty well <laughs> from orchard to odyssey a banana-licious journey you won't forget peel the pages savor the story <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good. I think I'm out of a job, guys. Yeah. Well, it's your job to make up banana titles, is that what you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh did you not That's know only that? one half of what he does. That's <laughs> my entire hour long show is just me sitting there and then going, uh I find you appealing. Um uh, something about potassium. Uh, okay, that's all for tonight, folks. Thanks a bunch. Oh see, now this is now now you're stealing my job, you. You do you do the same job? <laughs> yeah, broadly speaking. I'm a primary school teacher, but I try to focus on an entirely banana centered uh, curriculum. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been lovely. Intimidating at times, but <laughs> oh. oh, I'm glad it was in well, I'm not glad, but I felt very intimidated <laughs> the whole time too. So Yeah, we have that hard hitting interview style that, that, that you don't get anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, with this liberal media. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, if I if I can be sincere for a moment, and that is a genuine question for me, um, I, I I find the campaign that you're running and the work that you do uh, deeply impressive. Um, and uh, thank you very much for for taking some time to to to, to explain it to us and and uh, and explain uh, what should be done as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Will has mentioned every doctor and your book clinical. Yeah. But where can people find you online if they want to hear more of what you have to say? Um, probably the best place would be Twitter. So I'm at Julia Grace. Yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's J U. We'll put J-U. it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Good. Cool. Um. Yeah, that's probably the best place. But also, we've built a map. This is the uh, Every Doctor, the organisation I run. We've built a map of privatisation on our website. So if people are interested to know how privatisation is impacting on the NHS, go to www.everydoctor.org.uk and it's got the map there. It's quite depressing but intriguing, I would say. That would be my (laughs) tagline. Intriguing and depressing. For regular listeners of the podcast, I suppose this is kind of a diversion from our normal level of silliness. But, well, the three of us have still been quite silly but Julia has brought a thoughtfulness and a level of insight I suppose that we're not accustomed to but I hope you've enjoyed it I'm sure you have and indeed have learned something as indeed we have for listeners who have come here to hear Julia you're very welcome to legitimate likes please stay and listen to more episodes for some reason the bananas episode seems to have been the real high flyer in uh, in this one <laughs> we have an awful lot of episodes including if you're interested in our medical series yeah, we have yeah, episodes yeah. on medical dramas <laughs> alternative medicine and even the human body is it a legitimate like but we've also got over 100 more so please go back and listen to some of them and if you enjoy it recommend it to a friend and rate it five stars and yeah let us know what you think 
we're on Instagram and Twitter at Legitimate Likes, so always feel free to get in touch. Michael, thank you for producing. Anytime. Will, thank you for co-hosting. I'll six sees you later, Hugh. Six see you later? See you later. Is that an in-joke? <laughs> it's, all, it's not an not an in-joke. It was just a bad joke. The six a, it is an in-joke, but you were, you were in on it, so it's a really bad joke. <laughs> it's a really poor joke. Yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> and thank you once again to our wonderful guest, Julia Grace Patterson. Really hope you've enjoyed it, Julia. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to find that banana episode now. <laughs> ah, yes. Enjoy. So until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Young man, you seem quite ill to me. You say you can't afford high doctor's fees. But here, comprehensive health care is free. There's no need to be unhealthy, young girl. Your cough doesn't sound great. I think you should get treatment and don't wait because you can access the welfare state. Not sure what I'm talking about. Well, have a guess. Yes, it's the NHS. You're quite impressed now with the NHS. They have everything to keep you in good health. Based on your needs, not your wealth. This I'm talking about the NHS. We wrote this song about the NHS. If you need a GP, or to get your teeth clean, or any number of vaccines. Founded in the 1940s, based on a plan from the Labour Party, thought of by a Welsh MP called Bevan, part of a socialist heaven. But since successive governments have been trying to reduce what they spent, and so there's far too much pressure on the UK's national treasure. They all have messed around the NHS. Held back progress now for the NHS. They just made things worse with internal market prices. And now the whole thing's in crisis. Stop giving less funds to the NHS. Help us express love for the NHS. Tell your politicians they should stop trying to fool you. Because you're hanging with Dr. Julia. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.